Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, another lengthy episode as we have a lot to cover here on this Thursday, March the 12th edition. We'll cover the report that the Dolphins will move on from safety Rashad Jones. We'll revisit his 10 years here in Miami and talk about what's next at safety. Plus, Oklahoma and Wisconsin had their pro days. We'll check in on those. We'll also continue the free agency preview, taking a look at players 41 through 60 on Pro Football Focus's top 100 list. And I did some digging on how free agency and contracts work from the team's perspective, some real inside access to the inner workings of the business side of things we're going to see next week as the new league year kicks off next Wednesday on March the 18th. All of that and more here on this Thursday, March the 12th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another And we covered this on yesterday's podcast, but we have definitive confirmation on the Dolphins' draft picks and where they land. 14 picks in total, and they go as follows. In the first round, picks 5, 18, and 26. We've known about that for some time. In the second round, 39 and 56. In the third round, the 70th pick. So six picks in the top 70 for your Miami Dolphins. Then we go 71 picks without a selection. Number 141 in the fourth round. Number 153, 154, and 173 there in the fifth round. So back-to-back picks in the fifth round. One sixth-round draft pick, number 185, and three seventh-round draft picks, 227, 246, and 251. And for more information on how the Dolphins acquired each of those picks, I detailed that up on MiamiDolphins.com. Go ahead and check out that piece. Other news from Wednesday, our 2010 fifth-round draft pick, two-time Pro Bowler Rashad Jones, will reportedly be released when the new league year kicks off next Wednesday on March the 18th. This comes from ESPN's Adam Schefter as he cites the move will free up $5.3 million up against the salary cap. This quote from general manager Chris Greer, we want to thank Rashad for everything he has done for the Miami Dolphins. I have known Rashad since spending time with him at Georgia and have been impressed with everything he's been able to accomplish. We wish him the best moving forward. All class there from the Dolphins GM and the Dolphins organization. Jones, again, was a fifth round pick back in 2010, and he gave the Dolphins tons of production over a 10-year career. 120 28 games played, 113 starts. He played over 7,400 snaps with the Dolphins and piled up 763 combined tackles, 41 of those for a loss, 10 and a half sacks, and he always found the football. He comes up with 21 picks in his career, forced three fumbles, recovered seven of them, and he ranks second in team history with six defensive touchdowns behind only Hall of Fame defensive end Jason Taylor. He was a Pro Bowler twice. The first one, his big time, in my opinion, all-pro caliber season in 2015 when he picked off five passes. He returned two of those for scores. He made a career-best 135 tackles from the safety position. He earned pro football Focus's second-highest run-defending grade that season and led his position group with 51 run stops in 2015. And in his 10-year run with the Dolphins, PFF graded him as a top 10 run defender among safeties three different times. He finished third, sixth, and ninth in those particular seasons. 
The big breakout season for him was 2012. That year, he was the fourth graded safety on Pro Football Focus and allowed a completion percentage of just 48.7 and just 247 receiving yards against him in coverage that particular year. Now, Rashad had many, many big moments in his Dolphins career, and it's difficult to boil it down to just five picks in terms of his best moments as a Miami Dolphin, but that is exactly what I did. And we're definitely going to have to leave a couple of these off because even though it feels weird to completely leave any run stops off of this list, that's exactly what I did. Rashad just had too many plays to boil it down to five, so we had to make an exclusive list here. But he also made a huge number of interceptions, and that's what all of these plays are. So we start here with number five, a 2015 game in Philadelphia. Kind of a dreary, miserable-looking day. The Dolphins are preserving a one-point lead. The Eagles are on the nine-yard line on second down and goal. And Jones stays with the crossing route from the backside and takes the candy and essentially seals the victory for the Finns. Plus, this play gives me a chance to give you a Kevin Harlan audio call that day on television. Second goal at the nine. Take to Murray, Sanchez, intercepted! It's picked up by Jones! And that play would allow the Dolphins to go on and win that game 20-19 to over the Philadelphia Eagles. And really, in earnest, at the time, keep that season alive. Number four is a pick six against the Houston Texans from that same season. We all know about this one. Kind of a lucky play as it was batted up into the air by the Texans' tight end taking a flat route down to the boundary side of the formation. It was his second pick six in as many weeks, and just one of those Murphy's Law games for the Texans that day, but so much fun to experience as a Dolphins fan, and the party was already in full force because it's 28-zip, and this pick six turns it into 35 nothing in the first half, but this play just kicked the celebration up one more notch that day in South Florida. Zero yards of total offense for the Texans. So this touchdown was deflected and intercepted. Rashad Jones into the end zone for the pick six. 13.56 on the clock in that game, and it's 35 nothing in favor of your Miami Dolphins. Play number three, we're going to get out of 2015 here in a week six game in 2016, and this was the play where he injured his shoulder, played the rest of the game, but it was such a good play by Rashad as he cut off the pass right in front of its intended target. The game was 8-6 to six Pittsburgh at the time, middle of the second quarter. And this game would go on to be the Dolphins' first of a six-game winning streak. And this play had a big part in turning the game around. First and ten, Roethlisberger brings his offense back onto the field. They give chase, somehow escapes the set. And that pass is incomplete. It's taken by Rashad Jones. Now we'll have to sort through the penalty. Let's see what the officials say here. Oh, great catch by Rashad Jones. This is going to be an interception because I can tell you right now, he made a spectacular play on the football. So Jones cuts that thing off. They called it incomplete in the booth, but the field ruled it as an interception and that would stand and the Dolphins would cash in with a field goal on the back end of that. Number two, best moment in Rashad Jones' Dolphins career. Another pick six and we go right back to 2015 against the Tennessee Titans. And this was Dan Campbell's first game as interim head coach. This game was a complete blowout, 38-10 to at the final, but it took until late in the third quarter for the Dolphins to really put it away. And it was Jones' pick six and the misty flipping to the end zone with 540 left in the third quarter that really did it and this play by Jones made it 24 to 3 Dolphins to start the blowout in Nashville patient with big plays inside six minutes to go third quarter it's second down and nine 
Mariota quick pass is Rashad Jones has a bunch of blockers and Jones dives for a pick six touchdown. And yes, we have two touchdowns on this list, but we're going to go back now to the number one play that I recall from Rashad Jones' career, mostly because it was his city. We talked about Jones being a Georgia-Atlanta native, played his college ball there as a Bulldog. His homecoming, a huge play, at the very least at the time, prevented the game from going into overtime because the Falcons were in field goal range, trailing by just three points, and very well could have prevented Miami from just outright losing the game in regulation because Matt Ryan had the Falcons off driving down the field, not to mention the ball was in the receiver's hands and Jones took it away inside the 10-yard line. So to go from first and goal with a chance to lose the game at any given second to a turnover and victory formation for the offense, the My City Trot, the My City Chant getting up on the bench. Darren Rizzi, special teams coach at the time, tried to stop him, but he just gave up and let Rashad have his moment. That game was the difference between three and two and two and three a significant changing point at that particular point of the 2017 season. Number 26, Ryan over the middle. Intercepted. Picked off by Rashad Jones. So it's 20 to 17 with 39 seconds to play, and Rashad picks that one off, takes the game away, gives the Dolphins a victory to take them to three and two on the season. And it just keeps saying. It was my city, and it was your city on that day, Rashad Jones. We thank you for your service with the Miami Dolphins. A great 10 years. And where this leaves the Dolphins at the safety position on the current roster, you've got Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe on the roster and some valuable experience last year for guys like Montre Hardage and Stephen Parker rounding out the safeties currently under contract on Miami's roster. It is a good safety draft class and a good free agent class as well at the position. So if they choose to do so, the Dolphins have some options to replace Jones and supplement the defensive backfield here in the coming weeks. And one of the ways you can supplement your roster is the draft, of course, the Dolphins with 14 picks in this year's draft. And we spin it back now to the college campuses where pro days are occurring every single day, pretty much from now up until draft time. And we don't have time to get to every single pro day and every single measurement here, but I do want to cover the Oklahoma and Wisconsin pro days, which occurred on Wednesday, March the 11th. And we start in Wisconsin out in Madison in the Midwest and Dolphins running backs coach Eric Studesville as well as the running game coordinator, was there to work out the on-field drills for Jonathan Taylor. And I think by now we should all know about Studesville's resume here with the Miami Dolphins, getting the running game going in 2018 with a combination of Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. He was the one doing the on-field workout drills And that's kind of a nod of respect to Coach Studesville. And you won't find many coaches around the league that do have more respect than the Dolphins running backs coach. And he spent a lot of time on the field there with Jonathan Taylor, coaching him up through the drills, talking to him in between those drills. And Taylor had three years of just massive production at Wisconsin. You go back to the scouting combine preview piece up on MiamiDolphins.com. We talked about him setting all kinds of high watermarks and yardage, touchdowns. He earned high praise from his teammates and coaching staff. There was a backup running back at Wisconsin that called Jonathan Taylor, not just the greatest running back in the history of college football, but the greatest person in the history of college football too. And he also had an offer from Harvard coming out of high school. So it tells you what type of intelligence that player is working with. Highly productive, highly smart, highly hardworking. All those things check positive boxes for the Wisconsin back. Speaking of hardworking and great character, Jalen Hurts was on the field at Oklahoma for their pro day on Wednesday. 
And we don't have any measurements there between he and C.D. Lamb, the receiver, who also worked out on the field. But you can find their videos on Twitter pretty much anywhere if you go look at Oklahoma Pro Day. And they were putting on a show in terms of highlight reel plays. And there was a quote from one of the Draft Network analysts who mentioned that Jalen Hurts might have done as well as anybody in the postseason run-up to the draft to help his stock with the Senior Bowl in Mobile, the scouting combine, the meetings that happened there, and now his pro day. So Jalen Hurts, one of the more interesting players heading in to this year's draft. The Oklahoma and Alabama quarterback before that played in three consecutive college football playoffs. So while pro days lead up to the draft, the big shoe that has to drop prior to the draft is, of course, free agency, just one week away. And one of the great parts about this new podcast, this new format here on the official Miami Dolphins podcast network, the Drive Time Podcast with your host, me, Travis Wingfield, is that I have a lot more access than I did in the past with Locked On, for instance. And I was able to dig around the facility and get some notes on how contracts are done. And the idea of this segment was to relay to you, the fan, what do some of these key terms mean? What are the important factors to look at when you see contract reports out there on the NFL network? Network, on ESPN from the biggest insiders in the game. What are you looking for? So the first thing that I learned is that we essentially focus on the wrong things as fans when it comes to the reported variables of these player contracts. So first, let's start with salary cap and how you get to this point. You've probably heard the term rollover, and in this case, the term use it or lose it does not apply to rollover space. If you have unused cap space the year prior, you can roll it over into the new season. And so the Dolphins, in an offseason of seemingly limitless resources, have yet another feather in the cap. The estimated NFL cap space in 2020 is right around $200 million, give or take, and the Dolphins are projected to have an available... $220 million to use, so a nice increase of roughly 10% of the league average. But I think the biggest disconnect comes from the difference between cap and cash. Just because the cap number is one thing, that doesn't mean that's what the player gets in their pocket that year, a common misconception. And so the way a contract is structured with regards to free agency, you're going to get all these big numbers, record-breaking numbers that flash across the breaking news segment on your television. Let's go ahead and use a five-year, $100 million contract as our baseline here. The odds of the player earning the entirety of that contract are really less than 5%. And so oftentimes the big number can be misleading. The big pieces you want to look at are the average per year. And in the free agent market, your average per year will be higher than you normally anticipate. This needs to be thought of as strictly supply and demand. So for example, say there are two big ticket receivers out there on the market and you have eight teams that need a receiver. What happens to the price? It intrinsically increases for the services of those two players. My favorite term that I took away from this research or my favorite analogy was to treat it like an auction. Whoever's willing to pay more will secure the rights of that player. Now, where Miami has done well these last couple of years is getting to the extension early before the player hits the market. And if we're going to use the auction term, this essentially allows you to bid independently opposed to battling 31 other auction participants, so to speak. And so Miami have given ourselves really good team value by getting those deals done early. So naturally, I had to ask, what is the benefit to the player? And the answer is several fold. They get money up front. They're somewhat protected against potential future injuries. And if the player has never signed a lucrative deal in his career, then it can be hard to turn down that cold, hard cash. Generally speaking, getting deals done early is a win for both sides. 
and looking back over the recent contract extensions done by Miami, we've done well to get guys signed before they hit that auction. So it's all a balancing game in terms of risk and reward. But ultimately, early extensions means both sides typically win. And with regards to extensions, you always want to talk about new money and new years on top of that. So when you hear about a player getting an extension in season, you take the deal and you only account for dollars on top of what was already owed and years on top of what was already owed. So a player who was in his final year in 2019, for instance, he gets a three-year extension that now essentially becomes a four-year contract. And publicly, they're going to announce the highest possible value of the deal. So the number you often see on TV is what the deal would hit should all incentives become maxed out. So for a deal where, let's go ahead and say the annual per year report is $5 million, the truth is that player probably has to perform like one of the top players at his position to hit that. And then if the player produces like that, the team wins also. But if the player plays more in line with what he's been previously, then that player is likely to only see two and a half, three, maybe three and a half million of that reported $5 million. So when these things get structured, the focus is on the detail of the structure and to provide the team with optionality and flexibility. But don't mistake that for thinking you want to move out of those deals early on. Everybody wants the deal to work. That's why it was agreed upon the way it was. But you always want to plan for worst case scenarios, build in contingency plans, and you need to be able to get out of deals that do not work out. And it would be completely naive to think you can bat a thousand every single year on every single deal. They're not all going to work out. That's just the nature of the business. And you don't want to marry yourself to those contracts should they go kaput. And so when you're signing players in March, free agency, the market dictates the structure of those deals not the particular team's own philosophy for dictating the structure of those contracts. So if a player is negotiating with three or four teams, the market can dictate the structure because the agent can find the best structure out there and then ask the other teams in the negotiation to match that structure. And that's when you might get into trouble because you begin to bid against teams who might be a little more short-sighted and are willing to overpay to save their jobs in a year where job security is not, well, secured. And so a lot of times the deal will come back shopped with an ironclad structure for the player and then the team has to match that or you just don't get the player. It's the nature of the open market. It's the nature of the business. So the question then becomes, do we bend on our own values? That's the debate you can internally get into when trying to figure out what's worth it on the open market. And so when free agency kicks off, the deals you're going to read, the big number you'll see is the average per year, and you're going to get a big number on those guarantees. Again, the nature of the business, those first few days, those are going to be the big money, the big ticket items go off the board like that. Now, there's also two types of guarantees out there. Full guarantee at signing, and that's money you owe to the player no matter what. Then there's total guarantees, which is that full guarantee amount plus injury-only guarantees, and the total is also more than the full guarantee So that full guarantee is the most important trait of the structure because the full guarantee means you can't move on. Whereas with the total, if the guy can't pass a physical at the start of the league year, that money can become guaranteed, but the odds of that happening are very, very low. So for instance, let's say John Smith has a contract of $50 million in guarantees, but really it could only be $20 million in guarantee because of the discrepancy in the full and total. Or on a smaller scale, something like a player that has $12 million in guarantees, but it's more like $5 million in guarantees. So the takeaway, the number you see on TV, not really going to be indicative of the actual parameters of the particular contract. And so ideally, you approach the contracts and free agency with a few core tenants in mind. 
You want to be opportunistic. You may have one philosophical belief that you adhere to, but there are always exceptions to that rule. And of course, you want to maintain flexibility and you want to structure all your deals in a certain way that helps you maintain that flexibility. With regards to the business side, it's the same as the on-field game. The game changes every single year. Players change every single year. Well, so does the business side. So you don't want to get locked in to a particular philosophy. Now, when the week of free agency actually kicks off, Monday is the start of the legal tampering period. Wednesday is when deals can be announced. And Monday at noon is when the party really starts that legal tampering period. The brass will get on the phone with guys and get a feel for if we should set up a visit or in certain cases, maybe even an offer like here's the offer. Let's go ahead and get this thing done on Wednesday. And so prior to Wednesday, you can agree in principle on a deal, but nothing becomes official. And there are times when guys bow out and it just didn't get reported. These guys are all people. They're all human beings. And sometimes the agent might agree on something, but maybe the player gets cold feet. It's all fluid. No one can be in the building before four o'clock on Wednesday. And you can't make travel plans prior to that either. So it has to be a very fluid situation. So you might see reports on Monday or Tuesday, but until the player is signed, don't start doing high five or backflips. Someone can come in last second and outbid you. It happens across the league all the time. This particular week for the Dolphins is high pace. It's high pressure. It's organized chaos. Everybody's got their phone plugged into portable chargers, juggling five or six different proposals and keeping track of how that impacts the cap and cash spent. You're going to have scenarios A through Z, contingency plans in place in case one thing falls through. You have to go to the backup plan and the backup to that backup and eventually maybe even the backup to the backup to the backup. Maybe we call that the Dwight Schrute plan. And the players get it. They understand when you tell them that your deal is dependent on what might happen to the first option in line. And then there's also the impact of the potential draft class coming down the pipeline. Teams will often marry up their draft grades with the talent supply on the open market and proceed accordingly to what they see fit. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with some key terms here. Signing bonus is money that's paid that year in cash up front, but the cap is divided over the length of the contract. So the cash up front, the cap space hit divided over the contract. The roster bonus, ideally, you split the signing and roster bonus to keep that cap and cash target as even as possible. That's called disciplined cap planning. Big signing bonuses can cause problems down the road because when you move on from a player, that results in large dead money charges. That's something that teams want to avoid. It all goes back to optionality, flexibility, and that comes into play when trading a player as well. Any unadvertised signing bonus accelerates into dead money when you trade that player. Roster bonus money is paid at an agreed upon date if the player is on the roster and that whole cap and cash charge hits that particular year. So if you get a roster bonus of $5 million and a signing bonus of $5 million, that could get reported as a $10 million guarantee, but that's not necessarily accurate. All right, so that is my refresher, my tutorial, my TED Talk on free agent contracts and extensions and all that fun stuff. The business side of this game is a lot of fun to learn too. I hope you guys all took something away from it. And ahead of free agency, let's get back into part three of our free agency preview, taking a look at Pro Football Focus's list of their top 100 available free agents and go into numbers 41 through 60, starting with number 60, 
Saints safety Von Bell. And this guy personifies versatility, played 238 snaps last year in the box, additionally 76 snaps on the defensive line, so right around 300 in total down around the line of scrimmage, 112 snaps as a slot corner, and 500 as a deep safety. He does it all. He forces fumbles, fits the C gaps in the running game, drops back into coverage, gives you flexibility in terms of zone and man on the back end. He can blitz the quarterback. 11 of his 40 pass rush reps last year turned into pressure on the quarterback, made 72 total tackles, 26 run stops. This guy is just a beast all over the field. A nice four-year career with the Saints that totaled 3,643 reps over those four years. The lowest number he played was 866 back in 2018. The number 59 player on Pro Football Focus's top 100 free agents is Bradley Roby. He began his career with the Denver Broncos, most recently with the Houston Texans. He ran a 4-3-9 out of Ohio State, one of the DBUs across the country. First round draft pick in 2014, so he has the size, length, speed combination you certainly like at the position. He was an integral part of that Broncos no-fly zone with Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib that helped win a Super Bowl back in 2015. Last year, played a lot of outside corner and slot corner. 462 as a perimeter guy, 249 in the slot, and he's been durable and dependable. Lowest snap count total was 674 back in 2017, played 850 snaps his rookie year and 798 last year in 2019, has completion percentage of just 60.4% throughout the course of his career, and his run-stop numbers are consistent across the board, 85 in total, and never lower than 11 run-stops in a single season. Number 58 on the list, we stay in the secondary with Carolina's James Bradbury, a 2016 second-round draft pick out of Samford, and his snap count distribution is primarily as an outside corner. Almost all of his snaps were on the perimeter last season for the Panthers. But he's another one of these guys that doesn't miss time. He's played over a thousand snaps in two of his four years. His lowest total as a rookie was 799. And he was just six snaps away in 2018 from making it three consecutive years as a 1,000 snap taker. His completion percentage against very, very good. Last year under 60. The previous two years were both at 57.4. So a good cornerback out there on the edge for the Panthers the last four seasons. Player number 57 on our list is Bud Dupree. We talked about him on yesterday's podcast, one of Charlie Casserly's under-the-radar free agents, as Dupree exploded onto the scene last season with a career high of 51 pressures, a career high in a 76.3 pass rush grade, and also run stops with 43. The number 56 player on the PFF Top 100 is safety Demarius Randall. And if he changes teams this offseason, it'll be the third in his early career so far. He started off as a cornerback in Green Bay, moved to Cleveland and played deep safety there, and he played all over the field. 202 snaps as a box safety, 88 as a slot cornerback, and 407 as a free safety. And a lot of that free safety work was as a single high safety at the top of the formation. A lot of press man coverage underneath and rolling around and deep in zone coverage. Player number 55 on this list, a linebacker from Green Bay, Blake Martinez as nobody in football last year at linebacker made more solo tackles than Martinez's 114 individual tackles, and 51 of those stops were run stops within two yards of the line of scrimmage. And though he doesn't rush the passer very much in that Green Bay defense, he did have three sacks last year, and the year prior in 2018 had 19 total pressures, four of those sacks and 15 hurries, and he did that on just 84 pass rush reps. Player number 54 on the PFF Top 100 free agents list keeps us on the defensive side and Seattle defensive lineman Jerron Reed, second round draft pick back in 2016. 
And Reed's career year came in 2018, where he played 823 snaps and had 55 pressures on 514 pass rush reps. That included 11 sacks and 14 hits on the quarterback. So 25 times he doled out punishment on opposing quarterbacks. He also made 39 run stops that season. And last year, missed some time, only played 582 snaps, but he also had 26 pressures on 369 pass rush reps. So pretty consistent getting after the quarterback from the defensive interior. Number 53 on the list brings us back into the secondary and Kendall Fuller. He has long been one of the premier slot cornerbacks in the NFL. You go back to 2017, Fuller had an overall PFF grade of 90.6. That's out of 100 with four picks and eight pass breakups and a passer rating allowed of just 56.7. Last season, the Chiefs moved around the defense a lot more, getting 142 reps as a free safety and he came down in the box for 140 reps, only playing the slot 321 snaps in 2019. So slot cornerback, definitely his best position. And he's only 25 years old, so he could be getting even better at this stage of his career. So the entirety of this list so far is on defense, and we'll stay there with the Cowboys edge, Robert Quinn, former Miami Dolphin. This year in Dallas, he had the most pressures he had has had since 2013 with 57 total quarterback pressures. Number 51 on the list, safety Carl Joseph. And I recall when he got drafted, he was one of the biggest hitting, most physically imposing safeties there is out there. And he still is that guy. And he's another one of these guys that plays all over the defensive formation. 315 snaps as a free safety, so he has range to play box run support, but also off the football. 190 snaps total in the box and on the defensive line. And the Raiders' defense definitely felt his loss when he was out for the season after a Week 10 game against the Chargers. You look at his grade board, it's green all the way across, and green means good. In fact, out of PFF's five particular grades they give over the course of four seasons, so there's 20 total grades in here, he only has two grades, tackling in 2017 and coverage in 2017, that are not green. So a consistently good player, makes a bunch of tackles, makes a bunch of run stops, and does very well in pass coverage as well. Number 50 on the Pro Football Focus Top 100 Free Agents list puts us right in the middle of the list with Jamie Collins, the former Patriot and former Cleveland Brown. He was a second round pick of the Patriots back in 2013, took a stop in Cleveland and then came back to New England. Last year had a very nice season with 33 total pressures, 17 run stops on the year. And his best trait was rushing the quarterback with eight sacks, four hits, and 21 hurries last year for the Patriots. Number 49, defensive lineman from the Broncos, Shelby Harris. He was drafted in the seventh round, number 235 overall by the Oakland Raiders. So the six foot three, 300 pound defensive lineman has a chance to go to free agency after shining through a five year career that began in Oakland and wound up in Denver. In 2018, he had a 90.4 overall grade from Pro Football Focus, due in large part to 19 quarterback pressures on 200. 23 pass rush reps and he also had 19 run stops on just 167 rundown reps on defense so consistently productive major production from that spot and a player the last two years in Denver has had green grades all the way across the board player number 48 on this list is a future hall of famer in my opinion Jason Peters at age 38 still getting it done in 2019 had an 82.8 grade in that age 37 season. So really productive player formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles and before that, the Buffalo Bills. It would be hard to argue against Jason Peters still having a year or two left in the tank there for the Eagles. Number 47, cornerback Brian Poole of the New York Jets had a career best season last year with an 80 coverage grade and allowed just 7.4 yards per reception last season. He was the Jets best cover guy playing primarily in the slot. Before that, he was with the Falcons from 2016 through the 2018 season. 
Number 46 on Pro Football Focus's top 100 free agents, tackle Andrew Whitworth, another longtime veteran, and he has consistently been a very, very good player for the Rams and Bengals alike. Last year, he posted an 84.7 pass protection grade, which was seventh among all tackles and was beat for just one sack all season long. He's a longtime All-Pro in this league. Number 45 is cornerback Trey Waynes of the Minnesota Vikings. And he's one of these guys that really checks the traits boxes in terms of long speed, quick twitch ability, good physical player. And those traits made him the 11th pick in the 2015 draft. I think Waynes will have one of the more interesting markets this year out there in free agency. Number 45 on this list, defensive interior Mike Daniels. The longtime Packer went to Detroit last year after getting cut by the Packers last offseason. He only had 13 pressures and 203 total reps last year, but prior to that with the Packers, 32 pressures, 33, 47, 62, 44, and 41. This guy has long been one of the best interior pass rushers in the game. He is pure power, pure athleticism, and a very smart player on the interior of a defensive line. Number 43 on this list is cornerback Logan Ryan of the Tennessee Titans. You might recall him with the pick six off Brady to cap that playoff game back in Foxborough in January. And the best part about Logan Ryan, he can play both slot and outside corner, splits up those duties pretty evenly. Did that with New England prior to going to the Titans back in 2017. The first four years of his career in New England were all very successful, green grades in every year except for one. And he has been a consistent, durable player. 1,321 snaps last year, 850 the year before and then three consecutive years from 2015 through 2017 with better than 1,000 snaps. The penultimate player on today's list is defensive interior lineman Michael Pierce, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, a 2016 undrafted free agent. He is a big, big mountain of a man, 340 pounds clogging up the interior of that Ravens defensive line. He's a consistent run defender, 21 stops last year, 22 the year prior and 36 back in 2017. 2018 was the career year. He had 21 pressures that year with 22 run stops and his run defense grade was 92 and his overall defensive grade was 91. Both of those check off in the blue. He's going to be a 500 snap taker in the middle of your defensive line and probably more of a two down run stopper than anything else. Number 41, the final player on our pro football focus top 100 free agents list. Tomorrow's podcast will be 21 through 40, and then we'll probably get to the top 20 guys on Tuesday's podcast since Monday is going to be Channing Crowder. But number 41 on the list today is linebacker formerly of Cleveland. He was cut just recently, Joe Schobert. He had four picks last year, four pass breakups, and he really gives you versatility in terms of rushing the quarterback and dropping into coverage. He can use either of those. And he checked the boxes and the stats across the board among linebackers. 7th in solo tackles with 100. 15th with 27 assists. He had 4 interceptions. Again, that was 2nd among all linebackers. And his 2 forced fumbles tied for 8th among all linebackers. Played 1,057 snaps last year. And also contributed big time in the run game with 53 run stops on defense. Okay, lengthy episode on this Wednesday, March the 12th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about the great... Great brand new production following Coach Flores back to his hometown in Brooklyn, the neighborhood of Brownsville. And let's go ahead and play this teaser the Miami Dolphins' official social media accounts put out there. A 56-second video that shows Brian Flores going back to Brownsville. Let's play that audio. How does growing up in Brownsville give me a leg up? I think what I saw and what I experienced growing up there... Growing up poor, growing up watching my back at all times. I think when situations arise as a coach, 
it's never the end of the world for me. I know what real pressure feels like. Pressure is, you know, getting into the lobby late at night with a group of, you know, a group of guys and you don't know which way it's going to go and having to make a decision. Like that, to me, that's pressure. Um, so, if I have a leg up, I would say it's that. I mean, me personally, I got to start building some more walls around my house because I've ran through about 25 of them for this guy and just more outstanding work by the Dolphins social media team. It's called Humble and Hungry, and it comes out Friday night at 5 o'clock Eastern. So set your alarm. Don't miss it. Miami Dolphins' Brian Flores was made in Brooklyn, Humble and Hungry, Friday night at 5 o'clock. Okay, let's go ahead and finally get out of here. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins' social accounts at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast, and of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.